even in plain sight. Don't care who see, baby. Best believe I'm coming through with a new ting. Jennifer Lopez. to another episode of felonious pundits i'm kentad svensgaard and please give a hearty welcome to the one the only aj mass we're gonna hit on the floor yes indeed how are you kentad i'm doing great this week aj i had a, a root canal and i actually feel so much better now that i've had it done so i'm i'm happy for that ain't that the tooth oh i was happy <laughs> Anyway, folks, welcome to our podcast. This is a show about the television program Criminal Minds. Every week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. AJ brings you the rewatch perspective of a longtime fan, and I will bring you a first-watch perspective from someone who has never watched the show before. I hope you guys all love the show, like we do, and uh, we're here for that water-cooler-type discussion that we love to have about the show, AJ. Yeah, it's always a good time to get differing points of view. And, uh, you know, we don't have to profile you to know that if you're still listening, you like us. You really like us. Exactly. Yay. Uh, let's get into this week's episode, AJ. Start with a bang here. We're looking at season one, episode four, which is entitled Plain Sight. And it originally aired on October 12, 2005. It was written by one Edward Allen Bernero and directed by Matt Earl Beasley. Household names. Yeah. <laughs> they both I know I thought both of them had serial killer sounding names kind of but uh it's 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 the triple name yeah. it's the triple name but yeah but I don't want to uh disparage them I'm sure those those are fine people Let's get into the episode we uh open with the familiar opening notes of Aretha Franklin's respect and we see an overhead shot of what we are told is San Diego, California and we see a we see a bird flying along AJ I, I got to ask you right off the bat, before we get into anything else, was it me or was the CGI on this bird a little bit, left a little something to be desired? I mean, you know, it was really the Forrest Gump of it all, I think. They're just, again, this show likes the, to try the new crafty video tools, but you're right, this did not look good at all. It, it certainly... <laughs> Uh, it, it didn't draw me in. I think they were trying to draw you in, but I did tell you at the end of last week to start uh, getting used to the bird motif. And uh, yes. I had forgotten this was the exact next episode when I said that. Because, <laughs> But, I mean, thank you, Criminal Minds, for proving my point immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so we follow the bird who flies by a house, and then we zoom into the house, and we see a woman doing an, a healthy-looking step aerobic workout, grooving along to the music, and she's into it, I have to say. I mean, it's no Peloton, but you know, it'll do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I, I guess we got to consider the time. This <laughs> exactly. Consider the time. Unfortunately for her, we cut to an open window downstairs, and there's ominous music playing, and we see that a gloved intruder is breaking into the house. Um, then we start seeing things from the intruder's viewpoint, and I will say, at least he was nice enough to stop the water that was running in the kitchen sink as he was yeah, walking no, through the house. No need for whoever survives to have to pay that water bill. Right. 
the uh, our criminal, he grabs a knife from a silverware display. He passes a family photo. He heads up the stairs. Uh, the woman is doing her workout, and she doesn't hear the intruder enter uh, as he's opening the door. She turns around and sees him, but it's really too late for her. And then we do a criminal mind zoom into the workout video, and it goes to snow. Remember snow on the TV screen, which I completely forgotten was a thing? Yeah, he was a rapper from Canada. Informer. <laughs> you know, see that means no. Oh, wait, not, not, not that. That's not, not what I meant. Not at all. Not at all. But something about as old as that. So we zoom out and now the room is the crime scene. The poor woman is dead on her bed and her eyes are disturbingly open. There is a police photographer, photographer even, uh, taking crime scene photos <laughs> And as we pan by a mirror, we see that it's covered in writing with uh, red lipstick. There's a local detective on the scene. And then he's telling his men to get a good shot of the woman's face. And the woman's face, her, like I said before, her eyes are just wide open. It's, uh, yeah, it's a disturbing, uh, disturbing open. And I think this is uh, uh, the start, really, of, of this kind of new routine that we're going to start seeing. Is that the, the show's going to start... There's going to be a crime. We're going to see it. We're not going to know who did it necessarily. And this is the case. We, we only had POV of the unsub. So we didn't actually see the unsub. Just kind of uh, doing that uh, cool cool thing where the camera is him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's this is this is Criminal Minds. This, this, is, this is what I know is the show. So I'm, I'm glad to see us finally kind of really hitting into this kind of format. Yeah, I will say uh, just for me personally, I, I found this episode, even though they've all been dark, Obviously, this one was a little just darker to me than what what's happened before. I don't know why. I mean, the other ones all dealt with, you know, serious murders and things. But I guess to me, when you have the, the sexual aspect of a killing and assault, it's it's pretty disturbing to me and affects me a little bit more, maybe for some strange reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they don't have to have a... a a voiceover telling us that the crimes are especially heinous here. I mean, they, they are occasionally uh, going to be going to be brutal. I, I think the, the reason that the show works is that it doesn't ever glorify it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th these are the bad guys and we're going to, we're not rooting for the bad guys ever. There's it's never in that gray area where you go like, Oh, well maybe he's just misunderstood. No, these are horrible people that need to be caught. Yeah. So because of that, I, I think I can, you know, it's the setting of the TV show. I think also because this one is kind of like a, a, a more personal yeah. than, than the ones we've seen so far, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, a bomb. It's not right. a fire. Like this, this one is, is just, just the first hands-on brutality that we've really seen. So I, I, I do think this is the first time you've experienced that. Yeah, good point. And, and even though we only knew this victim for a few seconds, I mean, she seemed like a really cool person. She, she was so into her workout and... So I, I felt bad for. Her. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's a step removed from uh from like uh, your Law and Order episodes where the randos on the street encounter a body, but you know a lot of times you'll go, I I just want to follow those two. They, they seem really cool. I want to hear their conversation right. continue. What was going on with them? Can we just follow them? Right. Uh, that's not what the show is. But occasionally, uh, you'll you'll get these opening scenes that are far more. Uh, intriguing because they're so out of context. It's just they picked us an interesting slice of these people's lives. Uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of times it's the last moments of their lives. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I, uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So now we cut to the BAU office and we see Reed, who is looking adorable. He's wearing this festive 
looking pink and blue birthday hat. And the crew is around him telling him to make a wish and blow out the candles. And apparently in his whole life, Reed has never encountered trick birthday candles before. Well, in his whole life, he's probably never had anyone show up to one of his birthday parties before. <laughs> Let's be fair. <laughs> That's true. He does seem like perplexed when the when they don't blow out. Uh, and Elle and Morgan are, are doing what they do, which is to tease him. But JJ tells him, hey, they're trick candles. And she calls him Spence. And it's really cute. And banter ensues. Eventually, Gideon comes up to Reed and asks him if he's having fun and... Reed says, yes, I'm definitely having fun, as if he was convincing himself that was true. I mean, yeah, he's 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 24, we find out. Is, is, and and uh, Hodge is like, oh, he's only 24. Imagine what he'll know when he turns 50, or Gideon says. But, um, man, he, he he's acting like he's eight. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They keep saying, make a wish, make a wish. And I'm just thinking, he's he's also acting like he's like a make-a-wish kid. And like, it's <laughs> his... His wish was to have friends. I mean, it's so sad, but it's just a weird scene. <laughs> it is. I, I found it adorable. And, and in this, what I consider to be a dark episode, it was a nice light moment for us. Uh, indeed. And yeah, and, and there is, again, I mean, I think you can see certainly that uh, this is a beginning of, uh, hey, let's, let's really poke into the uh, J.J. and Spencer, will they, won't they kind of thing. You know, she's the only one who calls me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very cute. So they're trying to enjoy themselves, and Hutch, as usual, is is the spoiler. He hangs up after getting a phone call and says, "Sorry, guys, party is over." And then we cut to Hutch and JJ entering the briefing room, and Hutch is saying, "Well, they're going to have to go to San Diego to chase after what they're calling the Tommy Killer." Uh, there have been six women raped and killed in their homes over just the past three weeks. They note that the timing on the killings uh, seems to indicate there's a rapid escalation going on. But also, this unsub seems like he's very controlled. And Hotch says, see you guys on the plane. But before we get to the jet, Morgan asks, why the Tommy killer? Hotch says, you know the rock opera? Well, this unsub glues his victim's eyes wide open. <laughs> now, this show, which, which tends to over-explain things doesn't really tell you anything else. Like, I, I, I get, you know, we get the reference. Tommy, can you see me? Tom, you know, we're, we're familiar with the rock opera. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you are because we're the same sort of. Oh, I, I certainly am, yes. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. This was like such a, that does not answer the question. Right. I mean, because it's like, you know the rock opera? Yeah. Well, he, he likes to glue his victim's eyes open. I'm like, if I was one of the name of the rock opera, I would have thought, is he a pinball wizard? Exactly. <laughs> Did he put pinballs in their eyes? I mean, and they stretch it. it, it the, just the line that goes into the credits is such a stretch because Spence is like, well, he wants you to see them. And Gideon goes, I don't feel them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Force! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it a thumbs down, the uh, killer name for this, uh, nickname for uh, this episode. Yeah. Totally with you. And and then we go to credits. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. Thank you. So we cut to the jet of glory flying in the sky. And we get our quote, our opening show quote. Uh, French poet Jacques Rigaud said, Don't forget that I cannot see myself 
that my role is limited to being the one who looks in the mirror. Mm. I mean, we've got a woman who was was very uh, self-absorbed with her fitness, perhaps. Um, we got the eye motif. We have the words written on the mirror. I, I think it's a little on the nose without actually meaning anything. I think you are correct, sir. Hotch is going over the details of the case. We're talking about Brenda Sams, who was our exercising mom from the opening. And she was found by her children when they got home from school. Just horrible. Mm, 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 mm. And I think I think you just identified, like, you know, it is horrible. And I think that's why the Spencer birthday stuff is so goofy and light, because it does have to balance it. Uh, and I think that's why it's it's so over-the-top goofy, even though there's no way that people in that room would be able to do this job if that's who they really were. Yeah, I agree totally. <laughs> So uh, Brenda Sams was strangled, probably with a wire. No weapon was left at the scene. Uh, residue on the wrists and mouth show that duct tape was used, but that was removed too. Uh, so this killer is very organized and tends to clean up after himself. He he started leaving messages on the mirror at the fourth scene. Um, he hadn't done that before. Hotch reads what's on the mirror, and it definitely sounds to me like some old Shakespeare sonnet or something. But our boy Reed is able to identify it almost immediately as a ballad from the late 1600s. And he says it's a, a dialogue betwixt death and a lady. <laughs> our boy's grown up. He's gone from <laughs> 80 to 80 in the span of a plane ride. <laughs> L, L asks if they're looking for someone with a literature background. But Reed says anyone with an Internet connection could have really searched it up. And he makes a comment, how about you should see what you get when you type death into a search engine. And Morgan, who never misses an opportunity to talk smack, makes a crack about no no wonder how Reed can't get a date. That's, that's kind of cold. Morgan is he's a little bit cold. He, he is. I mean, I know, I know it's tough love, but he's forgotten the love part. <laughs> right. He's good with the tough. Oh, he's very good with the tough. Morgan holds up a picture of the crime scene and says a lot of damage was done at the crime scene, but nothing was taken. And AJ, I was shocked that we didn't immediately zoom into this picture and then have the team appear at the side of the picture. I was shocked they didn't do that. Psych, they got you. <laughs> Gideon uh, mentions that the eyes being opened are the signature of the murderer and which I'm glad we got the lesson last week about the signature. So now we know what that means. Right. There's no need for them to spend five more minutes talking about it. Right. <laughs> but they kind of do a little bit. <laughs> a little, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. It, it's, yeah, it's a little bit. I think they refined the definition a little bit from, from last week. It's the one thing that's unique, that stands out, that, they, that will help us identify them. Perfect. Done. Move. Yes. Move on. And actually, we just do a normal... A normal transition, a normal cut into our next scene. Thank goodness. Thank <laughs> goodness. This show works when it just wa- when you can watch it like a regular show. And you, you're not doing some sort of uh, gymnastics with the camera. <laughs> I, still am, I still need to have that every once in a while. I'm, but I'm hoping, you know, it's just a, a special event, you know. I, I, yeah. I, look, they, they, blew the, they blew the budget on the bird in the opening scene. If that's true, uh, oh, man. <laughs> because that word was horrible uh anyway let's we cut to a woman who's uh wearing an apron uh she's in walking from her kitchen to her garden where she picks out the perfect lemon off of a tree and heads back into her house and get out man just point out here you should see what happens when you type in lemon <laughs> <It's> <laughs> in a search, search engine, engine. 
Don't, don't, people, don't. <laughs> so she goes in, back into her house, and we see the back view of an intruder there and realize that the woman is not alone. Then we cut to the task force headquarters of the San Diego Police Department, where the team has arrived and talked to our detective from before. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually, in my notes, I've named him Mr. Jittery. Because the whole episode, he's just very jittery. Yeah. Just more so than you. Usually the captain like, is like, uh, is either, I don't want you guys here, but I need your help. Or I know nothing. I'm I, Please take over. And he's just like. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It was an interesting uh, acting choice. Anyway, he identifies himself as Captain Griffith. He's the task force commander. And Gideon has already at this point walked up to the, the pegboard with... <laughs> The pictures of all the victims and the crime scene photos, and he's studying it. Uh, I, I think you should probably phrase it as Gideon eyeballs the eyeballs. <laughs> yes, because there are a lot of eyeball pictures on this board. And as, as he's studying the board, we hear snippets from the various lives of the victims. You know, you can hear one woman's children speaking to her. You can hear another's spouse speaking and uh, the various crime pictures fly out at Gideon, but we don't zoom into any of them. They just sort of do a little dance in front of so, our eyes. Yeah, so my takeaway from this is that Gideon's insane, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's hearing these voices of the conversations that we don't even have footage of. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little weird. Again, it's, it's, I get it. It's to try to get, put you in the mind of, of the profiler and how he's absorbing right. the information. But it, it, again, it does make him a little insane <laughs> yeah. come off that way. It takes a little bit getting used to. I, I have a yeah. feeling this kind of thing is going to be with us for most of the series. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's criminal minds going to criminal minds. <laughs> <laughs> so as that's happening, Reed and JJ are at another pegboard. They're studying the text from the ballads that were left at the last few crime scenes. And JJ is like, creepy, huh? And my boy Reed goes into his long answer about how actually conversations between death and his victims was a fairly popular literary and artistic theme throughout the Renaissance. And then he looks at JJ and realizes she's given him that look. And he just says, yeah, creepy. <laughs> And it's and it's and it's it's the romance continue. <laughs> yeah, I'm digging it. I'm there. I'm there for it. I, I'm enjoying it. It's almost as exciting to me as the possible Garcia Morgan relationship. We'll see what happens. Well, we will see with everything. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Morgan is telling Gideon that the unsub strikes during the day in upper middle class neighborhoods, which Gideon notes are extremely high risk victims at extremely high risk times, which indicates that our guy is quite confident in his abilities. The crime takes place over a five square mile radius. Uh, so the purpose probably has a vehicle that he's using. And a, another detective comes up who we don't learn until much later in the show. His name is Detective Martin. And please just tell me that ahead of time so I don't have to keep writing that other cop in, in my notes. Um, but anyway, his name is Detective Martin. Uh, he walks up and asks him if they want to see the crime scene. And because the husband, uh, in this case, understandably, has refused to go back to this house so they can go check out the crime scene. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to when I want to, certainly not the first time I watch these episodes, but because I've watched them a number of times, I tend to provide my own little backstories for these characters. And I just think that to me, I just wrote him as cop. <laughs> 
yes, Detective Martin there. I I envision that he is the type of guy who just loves showing dead bodies to his friends. <laughs> so he's like, hey, still got the keys to the crime scene. You want 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 to go to crime scene? Come on. And this will come to play. This will come to play in a minute. So. Meanwhile, AJ Hutch is telling Greenway that they want to get some answers about the sexual oh. aspect. <laughs> about the sexual aspect of the crimes apart from the murders. And uh, Reed walks up and informs them that the crime scene notes are most of the four uh, most of the first three verses of the same ballad, but mostly as and it's just death's part, they didn't include the betwixt part from his victim. Oh, I actually like that line, though. I mean, normally when, when Reed gets a little snooty, but the fact that they poo-pooed him so much the first time he said it, I kind of like it. Agreed. Uh, so we cut back to our lemon lady from before, um, <laughs> and she's cooking up something in the kitchen, and her door opens, and our unsub walks up on her and attacks, we yeah. think. Yeah, it's a it's a quick it's a quick little scene. I mean, I I I was getting hungry just looking at what she was cooking there. You know. Yeah. Look. She was into it too. She was like, mm. I mean, she grows her own uh, fruit and probably herbs and all this stuff in the backyard. And uh, can you tell I haven't had dinner yet? <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But we're gonna do this, AJ. We're gonna get through. That's all right. Yeah, um, plenty, plenty to make us lose our appetite. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Detective Martin, who is driving Morgan and Gideon to the crime scene. And he's asking if profiling really works because we need to have this conversation. It's season Again. one still. People might be picking up the show for the first time. Just let's go over it again. Does this thing actually work? Please explain what you do for the people who haven't figured it out thus far. <laughs> I think Detective Martin is a little is a little uh, insulted that they that we don't feel that the San Diego PD has done their job. You know, he, Wait, he's which, like... In fairness, he did invite them to the crime scene. They didn't ask if they yeah. could go. It's <laughs> completely true. And uh, Gideon explains, oh, they're trained to look for things that local guys aren't. And <laughs> Detective Martin asks, uh, yeah, what's that? And Gideon says, hate, insecurity, fear, Surprise, anger. and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. <laughs> Get the comfy chair! <laughs> And Martin just gives him a look, and I'm like, I feel you, bro. I feel you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, Gideon's uh, Gideon's in one of his his uh, high horse modes. <laughs> <laughs> and one more thing, he's not gonna stop until we catch him. That's right. <laughs> Which okay, that's a fair statement, uh, Gideon. After a break, we're back at the crime scene as uh, Morgan, Gideon, and Martin are are pulling up to the house. They see some cop cars cruising the streets, and Gideon noticed that they've uh, increased the patrols in the neighborhood once the pattern of the killer was identified. And Martin says yes after the fourth victim. Uh, the neighborhood is full of cruisers, and the guy still struck two more times. And Gideon says, oh, he must blend in. He's got to blend. And that's a, and that's a fair assessment. I, I think that's, mm -hmm. that, that's something even the cops probably could figure out. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... There, there are so many times when, when he, he goes, and that means he's left-handed and sh and likes the Pacers. Like, what? And you're like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. That one was fair. I, I'll give it to him. Hotch gives him a call and uh, says uh, there may have been another attempt just six blocks away from the station house. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Lemon Lady. <laughs> yeah. 
the the husband apparently interrupted, and the this attacker got uh, got away. Uh, Ellen and Hotch are on their way to the scene, and and Detective Martin wants to rush to the. He seems so anxious to rush to the scene. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like a dead body might be there. He's out. <laughs> And, and Gideon's like, it's under control, and we can do better work here. Make sure you're able to prosecute your case. Martin is like, uh, nah, bro, nah, nah, nah. Here's the key, you guys. Not I'm bouncing, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and you, if there was a, a wall right there, you would see a cartoon Detective Martin-shaped hole in the wall <laughs> to get away. <laughs> he just seemed anxious is what I'm saying. I, I'm just saying, I'm with you. <laughs> Before he's able to uh, peace out, Morgan stops him and confirms that the unsub broken through the back. And Martin says, yeah. And more, as Morgan is heading to the back, I'm already assuming he's about to do his walking in the shoes of the unsub shtick that's, that that's how, we've grown accustomed to. That's his process. Gideon likes to stare at the, at the board with all the evidence on it. Morgan likes to walk the scene. <laughs> yes. Uh, he doesn't find any CDs in the backyard, but he does find the window. <laughs> Luckily, we know that's where the unsub came in, so he doesn't have to try and narrow this one down. And Morgan's saying to himself, ooh, this is a very tight spot. Not that easy to maneuver, so this guy m- must be somewhat athletic. <laughs> Great. We've eliminated the senior citizens with hip problems. Gideon walks into uh, the bedroom. He looks at all the clutter on the floor. Um, Morgan walks into the kitchen, notices it's clean, and he remembers there's a picture of a broken cappuccino machine, but the killer must have taken it out of the kitchen and and brought it upstairs. And Morgan says to himself, why? Why would I take the time? Now, why? Why would he say this out loud? (laughs) (laughs) Yes! All right, it's... It's a TV show, but, I mean, yes, I would say, well, if the cappuccino machine is normally in the kitchen, why would it be upstairs? Fair question. Fair question. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we cut to Hotch and Elle, who are at, at the Lemon Lady's house. <laughs> I'm sorry for calling her that. It's just how I think of her hey, at, at this point. Sometimes nicknames stick. <laughs> yeah. And she's alive, and so Hotch is saying, lucky woman. <laughs> And Elle is saying, yeah, she's probably not feeling so lucky right about now at this point. Fair, fair. fair. Elle's not my favorite, but fair. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I agree with her here. There are cops talking to the couple, uh, including our detective, our captain, our fidgety captain. Mr. Jittery. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, husband is describing the suspect. He's saying it was a black man, six feet tall. He watched him run out the back door. Captain Griffith walks up to Hotch, who tells him, who was listening, and he tells him that interracial serial sex crimes are extremely rare. The detective is like, are they impossible? No, they're not impossible. But Hotch just wanted to provide him this information. It's not like he said, you're an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Just Just that it's rare. Just so you know, may not be the guy. Don't jump to conclusions. Let's... Take it one step at a time, and that's all I'm saying. Well, so you think we can, you don't know what we know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, another another little likable moment, I think, for Elle, who is studying the wife and says she wants to talk to her alone. And when our captain asks why, Elle points out that the woman is surrounded by men. And I really, I agree with her here. This poor lady is, everybody around her is a man. Sort of, and they just don't have the same... 
you know, sensitivity about the issue. Right. If this was if this was a mugging, even something, you know, a light crime or or, or something, sure, uh, it's it's still so be nice to see representation on every police force, but. It, Especially in this situation, she's surrounded, and you can tell that she's kind of subservient to her husband anyway, and she probably don't want to talk in front of him. It's like, can you just, just a friendly face who maybe female might be the way to go here? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so, she, so Elle invites the wife, whose name is Mrs. Gordon, to go outside with her so they can talk. And then we cut back to Morgan still walking in the criminal's shoes, <laughs> and he's noting. That he didn't take the silver, he broke it, but why didn't she hear him? And then he figures out it's because he must have done all of that after doing the killing. And we cut upstairs to Gideon, who's looking at the message written in the mirror, and he reads it out loud. Yeah, again, looking for clues in it, which is, you know, which is fine. Um, you know, I think what's more interesting is the... Is trying to see where this unsub has cleaned up. I think that is the more important information here because Reed's working on the poem. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there may be something that you're, you're, you're going to see and figure out there, but odds are uh, you're going to get more value out of the, of the information there. We do get one of our classic CBS Oprah explainers here. <laughs> Gideon notices, yeah, she was doing step aerobics. And Morgan's like, what with the platforms? Step up. <laughs> Step down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's how step aerobics works. Thank you. The, I mean, I realize today that might be a little bit more unusual, but not that unusual that, like, yeah, step, step I get it, step yeah. aerobics. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that should have fallen into the common knowledge uh, realm. But then, you know, then they get bored and get sensible. Then where is it? Where are the steps? Oh, here they yeah. are under the bed, do the vacuuming, yeah, that, that. Neat, neatly put away. Everything is very neat and organized, except for the fact that it's all smashed. Yeah, which which that is something that perhaps you could use to figure out what kind of person would have that kind of split psychosis yep. or whatever, yeah. So uh, we cut back then to uh, Elle, who's talking to Mrs. Gordon, and she's saying she doesn't know much about her attacker. Elle says, you don't really have to even talk. You just take you no know, time to collect your thoughts, sit there and breathe. Uh, Mrs. Gordon is like, you don't even want to ask me any questions and, and questions. And Elle's like, no, it's good. Let me know if you want to talk. That sort of gets her to open up. And she says she didn't even know that this guy was in the house. Yep. It's, it's so very you, good. Uh, very good use of just once she gets comfortable, she wants to talk about it. Absolutely. It's just yeah. don't make it don't make it pressure. Don't make it. Uh, you have to talk about it. Just yeah, I'm here. So Mrs. Gordon is explaining the details of the crime now, and uh, the guy attacked her from behind. He was very strong. He held her down. That's when her husband came home. He screamed out the guy. Screamed at the guy. The man ran out the door. Elle says uh, he was a black man, and Mrs. Gordon says she wasn't sure, but Bill was sure of it. She never saw the man. She only remembers his eyes. While they were fighting, she just kept staring him in the eyes. As Because uh, if he was going to kill her, he was going to have to look at her as he did. And he just, you know, stared back at her through the ski mask. And I was like, ski mask? Boom, boom, boom. That's going to be interesting to find out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I think, uh, yeah, they've gone back and forth between the Gideon and the Morgan and the Ellen, Mrs. Gordon. And uh, so, it's I, you know, I, it's, it's a nice little... 
oh, we're at the old crime scene, we're at the new crime scene, and you kind of do see that right. things aren't quite matching up here at all in terms of the two situations. Obviously, he was interrupted uh, at at Mrs. Gordon's, but that you know, it's something that the, it plays up. That something is kind of discordant here. Gideon did say to Morgan at one point, "You ever think something obvious is right in front of you?" And I'm sitting there going, in plain sight, no, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. It was sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't do it. And Morgan's like, usually right before I get dumped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I didn't really kind of buy that one from him, but, you know, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, it was okay. I just was more, more upset that. Gideon. I don't think anyone says in plain sight in this in this episode. I didn't hear it. I, I was kind of forgot to listen for it at first because it's such a, an ordinary title. <laughs> yeah. Um, but nah, I don't think anyone said it. We got to keep put that on our list. That was on. That was the opportunity was right there. <laughs> they should have said it right there. So at this point, we're back at HQ and Reed has a question for Gideon about the verses. Why didn't the unsub leave the messages at the first three murders? He had more than enough material to work with from that particular ballad. There are other websites he could have gone to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reed wants to know if it isn't really part of his signature, if it's not something he had to do for emotional release, then why start doing this? Gideon says, find out when the press first ran the story on the unsub. JJ looks it up and says it was the morning after the fourth murder. And they think the killer didn't think he was getting enough attention. Maybe the police didn't even realize they were looking for a pattern. Um, and the killer started leaving the notes to make sure that he was noticed. Also, the increased patrols didn't begin until after the fourth victim either. Hotch comes in and he says that the witness said the killer was a black male. And Morgan says black male cross-racial doesn't usually happen. And of course, Reed immediately relates a case where that did happen. <laughs> because that's what Reed does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, L points out that the attacker wore a ski mask, which Gideon thinks about and says, tell him we're ready. Morgan says, for our profile. And Gideon says, we're going to make Tommy contact us. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Dun, dun, dun. Let him know I just beat his top score on the pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, can you see me? So we cut to uh, our now ubiquitous profile powwow, which is, I guess, going to be my name for it. Sure. Unless we come up with something better. <laughs> Profiles on parade. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that, too. Uh, this time, I felt like oh, this particular profile, I felt they did a better job of giving every member of the team something to say instead of just having Gideon and a little bit of Hotch doing it. Yeah, well, everybody got to... I think, I think, you know, the show probably was sold as a pilot as the Mandy Patinkin show, which means it's going to be right. it's going to be Gideon, Gideon, Gideon uh, and, and his flunkies. And I think we're slowly seeing over the course of this first season that when we say the BAU team's coming out, it, it, the BAU team and they, everyone's going to play their part. I think you're going to see everybody is starting to get in their little personalities and what they can do and what they can offer. And this is the perfect time for them all to like, you know, play their instruments and develop a beautiful song. That's called the profile. <laughs> so uh, Gideon starts out. He says uh, the unsub brought his weapons with him, tape, glue, wire. He didn't leave them at the scene. And at, while this is going on, we see sort of the scene itself unfolding behind him in another one of their 
the, the profile it has a lot of those dissolves in and out and yeah yep, that's that's that they're gonna do <laughs> yeah I, I i can tell um this guy this unsub must have some kind of killing kit that he likes to carry around with him and then that's when hotch comes in says uh, organized killers usually have a skilled job it's likely technology related and the crime scenes are far apart enough apart that he needs a vehicle that would also be well kept obsessively clean um as will his house be um he's diurnal 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 uh, this has nothing this has nothing to do with urinals i uh checked <laughs> yeah he hasn't uh, taken too many diuretics <laughs> he doesn't use over 100 uh, dianetics no <laughs> no yeah. no it means that the attacks occurred during the day aj yeah which we knew <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but fine. I mean, yes, you pointed out here, but yeah, it's a little snooty word, yeah. <laughs> because of that, they figure maybe the vehicle that he's using is related to his job, possibly a truck or company car of some kind. And then Morgan gets to speak also at this one. He's there. He didn't stay home cowering because he didn't think he was going to get blown up. Um, <laughs> he says, uh, we believe that he watches his victims for a time, learns the rhythms of the home. He knows exactly what his time frame needs to be. Hotch says, you're not going to catch him accidentally. And then Gideon says he likes to destroy the symbols of wealth in his victim's home. Uh, he harbors envy and hatred towards people of a higher social class. Reed chimes in at this point. Class is the theme of the poem that he left behind at the various scenes. At one point in the poem, the woman is attempting to bribe death, but death ain't having it. Uh, he says, this is the one moment when riches mean nothing. When death comes, the poor and the rich are exactly alike. Our unsub is probably middle class, not lower class, because he does blend into the neighborhood. And uh, at this point, L gets to chime in, too, as we discuss uh, why the unsub glues the eyes open. Uh, it's because he's an exploitative rapist. Most rape victims close their eyes during the attack and turn their heads. And for some rapists, this might ruin their fantasy so um, having the victim watch is more important than actually the act itself for them. Dark stuff. Hey, it, it, it's it's not a party. It's 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 you know it, it it's not like we're gonna ever investigate who. Oh, BAU has been called in as a serial cake gifter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I wouldn't mind seeing that episode. Hotch says says that the verses, the staging, the aggressive language. This is a guy who, while being in control at the crime scene, almost certainly feels inadequate in the rest of his life. Gideon says that's why he couldn't wait for the cops to figure out what he'd done. He needed to make sure all of his crimes were accounted for. Uh, his vic victims represent something that might be controlling him, that he wants to take that control back. He's probably under the thumb of some powerful woman that frightens him. And Gideon's final point is that he is white. For sure, he is white. <laughs> Captain Griffith is like, no, no, no. Let me explain to you. We had witnesses that said he was black. <laughs> and Gideon drops the bombshell. The Tommy killer is white. Mrs. Gordon's attacker was black. Two different people, AJ. <laughs> what? Do you mean to tell me that in a town the size of San Diego, all the crime is not being committed by the same individual? No, oh. not in this case. Man. Not in this case. Maybe usually, 
I mean, I, have you have you have you gone and trekked down the chicken, seen where he, he was at? <laughs> so the facts about Mrs. Gordon's attacker don't match up with the Tommy Killer at all. The attacker was unorganized. He was younger. He wore a ski mask because he wasn't gonna kill anyone, so he didn't want to be identified. So that's why he was wearing a ski mask. Logical. Yeah, it all makes sense. And Elle mentions that Mrs. Gordon described a young man who delivered groceries to him. And uh, that guy seems to fit the description a bit. Now, this is where I get angry at Elle. How long has it been since she left the Gordon's house? And she's only now just bringing this thing up? Yeah, this seems like an important detail, right? What the heck were you waiting for? Elle! I mean, come on, because clearly, clearly uh, Detective Jittery hadn't heard of this because he was stunned when Gideon said, wait a second, you know, he's white. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. She mentioned to me that this guy, that she thinks she knows who did it. Like, <laughs> what the L? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Griffith is like, great. Now we have zero zilch, nothing, nada on the Tommy killer. Hodge says, not exactly. Can I, I talk to you alone in your office for a bit? So they, they go into his office. AJ, why is his office so dark? Did you notice that? Or was that just, it was like. Oh, he, he doesn't really spend a lot of time in his office. This guy, uh, this guy's always running to the coffee machine. That's why he's so jittery. He's, he, he wasn't in, it wasn't like he, he had left the office and just come back in. He turned off the lights for the profile. He just forgot to turn them on. He's, he's jittery. Okay. It wasn't so we could look at Hotch and some dramatic lighting. Um. I mean, that was a lovely <laughs> fringe benefit of doing it, sure. <laughs> so anyway, they go to his office and uh, Hotch asks if they have a tip line set up because uh, the killer, the actual unsub is going to be furious if it appears that they're pinning his crimes on some six foot tall black guy. And he will definitely call the tip line and they have someone back at the office that can listen in on the line. I wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we and we have someone who we really haven't used at all this episode. <laughs> yeah, we better get involved. We, she's getting her paycheck. <laughs> we better we better write her in. <laughs> so we cut to a loading dock where our delivery man is is leaving for the day, but then Ellen Morgan show up there and arrest the guy for the attempted rape of Mrs. Gordon. Uh, we cut to a JJ press conference. She's announcing news of the arrest. And in what looks like a carefully orchestrated plan, Morgan and Elle pull up right to the curb, right at the press conference, and parade their suspect right in front of the cameras. And JJ is saying they've arrested someone in connection with the investigation. That's all she can say at that time. Yeah, which is an accurate statement. It's accurate statement. JJ, JJ, don't lie. JJ never lies. She may not reveal everything, but she will not lie. Um, you know, Morgan and L, of course, very conveniently uh, make sure that they're wearing the FBI jacket so everyone knows exactly who's arresting who. And <laughs> yeah, no, no side entrances here, right through the front doors past the cameras. Yes, I was going to say, very well orchestrated. Uh, they knew what they were doing. They walk into the station and L is saying that this guy confessed to attacking Mrs. Gordon before they even got to the car. And I kind of wanted to have seen that scene <laughs> Just, I thought, wow, he, he gave up pretty fast. And I, I mean, I, I'm sure it involved Morgan and his tough love. <laughs> there you go. My man, Shamar. Swat, swat. Um, <laughs> JJ comes in. She confirms with Hotch that they got good footage of the whole thing. 
and it's all going to make the 11 o'clock news. At this point, we cut to our girl, Penelope Garcia, who is, of course, ready to trap and trace this call with all of her usual panache. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I, I for like a split second, I thought that they had forgotten to tell her what was going on. Because <laughs> like, get Garcia on the phone. Yeah, uh, we're ready to do this thing. <laughs> But it was like, okay, we're ready to do this thing now. <laughs> Thank goodness, yeah. because that would have been really lazy writing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my girl Garcia, by the way, doesn't need like one or two minutes like on most of these other cop shows where they're trying to run the trace. She says she can name this skeeve in 15 seconds. Whoa, <laughs> dog, 15 seconds. Oh, Jane, did you hear that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I I, 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 I can't watch that. I, I tried uh, once. Please, please, please get it out of my head. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a dark room, another dark room where we see our figure watching the news report. And he's taking his fury out on a poor little soda can that's probably done nothing to hurt him. We hear a classic mean lady voice yelling at him to turn that damn television down. As he squeezes the soda can into oblivion. Yeah, and I, I think they do. Uh, they make the choice here again not to show his face, so that we still don't know who it is. And in some case, sometimes when they do that, I get, I get frustrated. It's like, well, look, <laughs> you know, we're getting to the confrontation here. It's not like we're choosing him out of. This isn't Knives Out, where we have to wonder which of the people is doing it. Like, we don't know who this is. When when the unsub shows up, we'll know who it is. But I, I do like the fact that, that they're keeping the mystery going here because we're still in hot pursuit of who it is, and we really don't know. So I, I do think in this case, having that air of mystery works. Okay, I agree. So then we pan, the camera pans past our, our telephone task force. It look like they are working the most miserable PBS pledge drive ever. <laughs> They just all look pretty miserable. And uh, we get to the end of that row and Ella's talking to Reed and complaining about the weight. And Reed has other things on his mind because he asks her if she thinks it's weird that he knows the ballad. And uh, she's like, I don't know how you know half the stuff you do, but I'm glad you do. And Reed says, I wonder why that's if that's why I can't get a date. (laughs) And she says, well, did you ever ask anybody? And he looks like the thought never <laughs> occurred to him. It had not. You know? I mean, he's sitting there working on his Rubik's Cube while he's having this conversation. And mind you, the Rubik's Cube is already solved, and he's just moving one, one thing back and forth. So, like, he's really just nervous talking to women, even when it's in this situation. No, I never thought about that. So, yeah. So, yeah. She says, well, maybe that's why you can't get a date, which makes sense. And this is where we finally learn Detective Martin's name because he answers the phone, <laughs> Detective Martin. And that's where I said, thank you. Thank you, show. <laughs> 46 um, minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> he answers the phone and uh, it's clearly the killer. They let Garcia know that it's line six. So she gets to work doing her thing. And uh, the guy is going off on him. You stupid, incompetent sons of bitches. I don't make mistakes as he makes the mistake of falling into their trap of having him call them. And he starts saying, I am death. I am death. Mark his words. They'll find this out tomorrow when he's he's going to be at it again. And he hangs up. Yeah, well, and, and of course, the that he was on for, oh, much longer than 15 seconds. So, uh, all, mm-hmm. you know, Garcia, Garcia got it. it right? And uh, we'll, we'll be at his house in, in 10 minutes. AJ, somehow, Garcia did not get what? anything. 
she doesn't understand how it's possible. I don't understand how it's possible. I, I uh, mean, <laughs> she's going to investigate the issue, though. She's going to find yeah, out what's up. Normally on this show, Garcia gets the job done. I know you haven't seen that yet to the level that uh, everyone else has, but, you know. I mean, Hotch is like, just going, <laughs> And then we cut to a woman in her driveway, and we see that our unsub is is looking out at her from his car. Yeah, she's reenacting, um, she's reenacting the opening credits from The Sopranos, right? She's in her bathrobe picking up the newspaper. <laughs> Woke up this morning. <laughs> we go next to the neighborhood. It's just sort of a neighborhood shot, and we're following these two ladies that are walking around for a moment. Yeah, this is this is this this the scene again is unnecessary. This is like the bird thing at the beginning. It's it's this. Hey, we're following the BAU out on patrol, and oh, here's a people montage, and there's a guy delivering water, and here's some speed walkers, and they walk past a mailman who follows. There's a UPS truck, and here are the speed walkers again, and it's just like. Okay, we don't know what the guy looks like. It could be anybody, but I, you know, uh, yeah, you're just filling time. Yeah, <laughs> probably not anyone here. Might as well have L take pictures of everybody that they <laughs> that they see there because exactly. they're not going to be useful. Um, so Gideon and and L are in the cars taking out the place. It's actually they're at the uh, crime scene up from the, the first uh, one victim that we saw. She was actually the last victim, but. That's where they're at anyway. Gideon, after a bit of talk, says something is is up with the eyes. It's it's the eyes. Something not right about the eyes. He thinks that they're missing something. He just can't see it. <laughs> it's in plain sight, but he can't see it. Oh, man. He can look at the menu, but he just can't eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can feel the cushion, but he can't have a seat, man. <laughs> I call this Howard Jones syndrome. <laughs> Uh, we cut to another car, and it's uh, uh, our classic grouping grouping of Reed and Morgan hanging out. And uh, Morgan's a bit impatient for the action to happen, it seems. But Reed says, the guy said, you know, tomorrow, not necessarily in the morning. Reed wonders if they picked a good spot to, to wait. And Morgan says three of the victims were within a block of where they are, and that road is like a main artery for the neighborhood. Uh, eventually, Morgan gets around to saying... It's like they're looking for a needle in a haystack. And Reed corrects him that it's more like they're looking for a needle in a stack of needles, AJ. <laughs> and Morgan has the appropriate reaction to that. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, obviously, a needle would stand out in a haystack. I don't know if I agree with that, <laughs> that statement. I, I mean, get what he's it, saying. It would stand out in the sense that if you are looking for that one needle, then yes, once you find it, you know you have found it. You see something silver and shiny, you have found it. But in a pile of needles, and you don't know which needle. So like we get, we're get, we just looking at all these people, right. we just don't know which person it is. Uh, exactly. If we were sitting in an empty field looking for the scarecrow, we could find it. If we're looking for the scarecrow at the scarecrow factory, we might not find it. Point taken, and at least Morgan, uh, at least Morgan laughs. <laughs> Says, "All yeah. right, all right, I'll give you that one. Yeah, <laughs> one, for you that one. one for Reed." <laughs> uh, we cut back at this moment to the law firm of Greenway and Gideon, and one of the patrolling police cars stops across from them, and the cop asks them what's up, and Gideon identifies them at F as FBI. 
They again point out that this guy is watching these houses, even with all these increased patrols. And how is he doing this without being seen? Elle looks up and she sees a bird, AJ, on a telephone wire. And she <laughs> yeah. asks if it's an Oriole. And Gideon is all, no, it's a black-headed grosbeak. And uh, he goes into some diatribe about male birds and their plumage. And I told you, I told you, I warned you. And yeah. here we are. And, uh, <laughs> yes, here we are. And that, and he's talking about how the birds are like, look at me, look at me. And then he starts, look at me. And you can see the light bulb going off in his head. Not li- not literally, not a Criminal Minds camera trick. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying you can see that he's he's saying, look at me again and again. And it's and the yeah. wheels are spinning. And thank goodness his wheels are spinning because I thought he was having a mental breakdown for a second. Look at me, mommy, mommy, look at me, mommy, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me, mommy, mommy, are you okay? <laughs> at this time, Elle is also getting a quick phone call. And uh, I think it was Garcia because she tells it Gideon is. that Garcia couldn't get a fix on the call because it was routed through 25 different substations. And Gideon is in his like, oh, I know something mode. He pops out of the car. Um, and so they go back to the Sam's house saying he's talking about the unsub and he's saying he wanted them to see him. Um, they go back up to the bedroom. Gideon lays down on the bed. Um, if, if the, I, <laughs> I know. Right. He says if the eyes were open because he needed them to see him, then why weren't they facing where he attacked from? And he figures out oh, because he wanted him them to see him afterwards. And we follow Gideon's gaze out onto the telephone pole. And then we cut to them leaving and Elle calling Garcia to see if she can access phone repair records. Of course she can. And uh, she only needs seven and a half seconds. (laughs) Elle is looking for repairmen that are cross-referenced with the murders. Of course she can look that up. Uh, Then we see Gideon calling Hotch. And he's saying, it's a phone technician. It makes sense. Nobody's looking for the guy up on the pole. He can scope things out. His tools, like his tape and wire, would be normal for his job. Hotch says it sounds right. And Gideon says, it is right. We've got his name. Like, he could have led with that. Well, he does, you know, they don't have his name yet. (laughs) They're going to get his name. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, Garcia's good. But, you know, she hasn't called back and said, oh, we have an unless she unless he got attacked. I didn't notice him go look. Oh, and we got his name. I mean, I'm glad he's confident in Garcia, despite the fact that she didn't get him the last time. But, you know, we don't have his name just yet. But, but we do seconds later. Yeah. In terms I, of, but I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think this is Gideon just being Gideon. <laughs> so uh, we cut to that lady that we saw before checking out her driveway and she's with her baby. She's uh, in the kitchen and she's going to get her baby some juice. So she has her back turned around uh, and she's at the refrigerator. And then when she turns back around, our unsub is there feeding the baby. That's kind of oh, creepy. It's terribly creepy. And and let me just say, uh, when you are rewatching this and just have, have the episodes on, there are certain episodes that we definitely, if we are still awake, we'll skip. And this is one of them because the big crying babies, man. <laughs> it's tough. And this... I don't know if this was this, you know, they, they do some trickery sometimes. So I don't know if this was actually this kid, but it, it was a good actor. If this was this kid. And, uh, and may I add when this when this first aired, I had a crying baby in the house. So. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uh, no, I, yeah. 
I can see passing that one up. Uh, Morgan and Reed go to the phone company where they ask, and they ask, apparently they do have the name at this point, so they ask uh, where Franklin Graney is. Um, he's out on service calls. They've got the streets that he's on calls, so Ellie and Gideon rush to that area. They see the phone truck parked, uh, so they figure out he's around there, so they go around the neighborhood looking for the suspect, uh, and Gideon finds the house. The baby is crying, screaming for his mother. Gideon pulls out his weapon, and I thought it was it was a nice touch to have him kiss the head of the baby as he sort of walked in. You know what? Uh, it, 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 it was a nice touch, but I guarantee you uh, that was Manny Patinkin kissing the baby to calm the baby down or to say good job or something rather than Gideon kissing the baby. <laughs> I think that was that was a human being doing something really nice and you know, establishing rapport or whatever's going on there. I think that's what that was because it, it actually was a little off-putting for me to have Gideon. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, because it's not in his, I mean, it really didn't feel like it was in character for him. He's so focused on, on, on the matter at hand. Like I said, it, 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 it took me out of the scene for a minute. Because because I, I I saw Mandy Patinkin doing it rather than Gideon and, and you know I'm, I'm glad that we're you know different points of view that's awesome but yeah. like that I, I I did write that down and it's just like mm, like having the baby scream is perfect for for me not going now how did he find out which house there's a baby screaming that makes sense but right. yeah the kiss was just weird to me it just it just just out of character in the focus of the thing or take the baby out put him outside shut the door maybe I don't know you know. Something. Yeah, he did kind of just kind yeah, of leave it, him there at that weird. point. But I know he's got to be distracted. Take care of it, but be focused. Singular. I don't know. They seemed off for Gideon, but but perfect for Mandy because we all know Mandy's a very nice guy. <laughs> well, you might have changed my opinion of the scene, but uh, I'll, maybe I'll rewatch it. I don't know that I'll rewatch this, but we'll see. Anyway, Gideon pulls out his weapon. He's uh, heads upstairs. He calls Hotch in the meantime. Gives him the address. And, of course, as he's sneaking his way to the room, he steps on a floorboard that creaks because that's always going to happen. He gives himself away so that by the time he opens the door, our man Franklin is there with his gun pointed at the woman. And uh, he's threatening to kill her. But Gideon says he won't. And he tells him precisely why he won't. Gideon's Gideon's thing, man. Attack, attack, attack with your words. (laughs) Because he will kill him and... He'll just say that they caught some cat burglar and it was not the Tommy killer. And eventually people will forget all about him and he'll be nothing. On the other hand, he can put the gun down. Uh, Gideon will make sure his face is splashed across every TV and newspaper in the country. Tommy killer, Franklin Graney. Uh, The whole world will know who he is. And so it's up to him. Does he want to be famous or invisible? That gets Graney to give up. And they arrest him. It seems pretty simple. Uh, The woman's very grateful Gideon looks out the window and again sees that gross beak up on the phone wire. Indeed. Indeed. And the bird flies away and we dissolve from the bird into the jet. Into the jet. And uh, at this point, we get our in-show quote, which is from Rose Kennedy, who said, Birds sing after a storm. Why shouldn't people feel as free to delight in whatever sunlight remains to them? Oh. It's kind of nice. Aw, touching. Um, we do get one last scene on the plane. Gideon Reed and Reed are playing chess, and uh, Gideon remembers that he has a present for Reed that he meant to give him at the party. Reed opens it up, 
and there's tickets in there and it's really cute. Oh, it's adorable again how Reed says, wow, the red skins. Like he separates the, the two words. It's, it's, uh, it's Reed. It's he didn't the need... football team. <laughs> yes. The football Washington team. football Times team. Times change. <laughs> For the better sometimes. And this is one of those cases. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, of course, Reed didn't even realize it was football. He didn't. He had no clue. But he's like, oh, well, we'll have fun when we go there. And Gideon's like, no, it's not going to be us. There is someone else on the plane who loves the Washington football team. And uh, then he says, it's JJ, you dummy. You go ask her out. Basically. I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) Reed goes to do so. But before he does, he has one nice little chess move to play. And he says, checkmate and i felt that was a nice moment because we got some closure from from something earlier in the series so yeah they play chess and he's never been able to beat him and you know they've gotten to know each other so well that uh gideon knows exactly what reed really wants for his birthday and provides the opportunity for him to take advantage of that and reed <laughs> do, do you think here, here's the second thing. it is his birthday do you think gideon threw the match probably <laughs> <laughs> probably. I just, I just, we'll, we'll see. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of that, but probably. Well, neither did I. Now just now, but yeah, right. Yeah, it's his birthday. I'll yeah. let the kid beat me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because he's maybe he's there going because he's just about to Alamogordo out on this sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish he weren't going to ask her on the plane because I don't want to go down in flames when he does. <laughs> so, uh, how did you feel about the episode overall, AJ? That was the end of the episode. At that point, um, you know, I, I think this is very much the first, really, really the first that felt like all the rest of the episodes. You know, like this, this episode, this is Criminal Minds. This is if if you were to juggle all of them into a, a pot and just pull episodes out at random, uh, I wouldn't necessarily go. Oh, you know, this is probably like really, really. I mean, cast notwithstanding and how they look and age and everything, you know, but like just. Yeah, this is this is a Criminal Minds episode. The first three, not so much. You know, so I think we're finally getting into the the real definition of what the show is, and, and I I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Well, I think everyone had their moments. Everyone does their job, and I think they're really beginning to figure out who each of these characters are, and they're gonna if they stay in their lanes, mm-hmm. that this could work. I, I'm thinking so far. I mean, Reed is my favorite character. I think that's got to be maybe. What they're kind of going for, I don't know. But uh, even though they they put him in some quite infantil- infantilizing situations a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, not not so much of an infantilizing situation that Gideon kisses him on the forehead, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that was plain sight. Season one, episode four of Criminal Minds, and uh, I'm glad to know we're sort of getting into the the main groove, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think uh, the the, the uh, for a show to hit hit its uh, its its stride, its pace, its normal this early is a good sign for the staying power of any show. I mean, the fact that I know retroactively how long it lasts, you know, obviously we know it finds it at some point, but I, it is a good sign for any show to find it this this quickly because there's a lot of shows where you're like, well, if you just stick to episode eight of season one, <laughs> I promise it'll be worth it. And like, you know, uh, three, four is a good time to find <laughs> find your, your groove. AJ, time to crack out again. Once again, our bow 
and uh, ask ourselves an important question, uh, which I will uh, ask to you, sir. Did they win? They won. Absolutely. This was an easy one. There was one victim that could potentially have been killed. They got to her way early in the process. They, they knew where the person was going to strike. They had lured him out, the unsub. Uh, they were ready. They heard, the, they heard the crying baby, and they saved the day. One for one on the, on the, on the save. You know, it's not, their, it's not their fault. Anything that happened with Mrs. Gordon, you know, because they weren't looking for uh, that guy. That was a different guy. And they even helped put the—they caught that guy, too, anyway. <laughs> I'm not giving credit for catching him in the same sense, but— Really, they caught him too. Um, so there's only one sub. She was very lucky that oh, her husband absolutely. came. Absolutely, but, but I yeah, mean, they, they did nothing wrong in this mm-hmm. one. I thought the team worked well together. Uh, unsub caught, nobody killed from the time they took over. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> win. That's a win, ladies and gentlemen. This week, our BAU buddies have won. What what's the uh, score at this point? Uh, four episodes in, three wins and one no decision. I've, so far, that's a great ratio. I can't complain. Can't complain. I'm sure they're never ever going to finish an episode losing. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I have that to look forward to. It sounds exciting, but a little undramatic. But we'll see what happens, won't we? We will. <laughs> So uh, this is the time on the show, usually, AJ, where we like to have a little fun, Have a li- like to have a little quiz. You are the quiz master. You are the trivia man. Uh, I am. I, I have a trivia podcast, Beat My Guest, that you guys can listen to with a lot of really, 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 really hard questions. Um, but uh, these questions are not really, really, really hard, but you know, they're not walks in the park either. Uh, let's go through it uh, with the questions here. Question number one. In what 1990 film did Mel Gibson play a character named Rick Jarman? <laughs> Okay, let me think about this. There's got to be a link somewhere, and I think the link is Bird on a Wire. Indeed, Bird on a Wire (laughs) is correct. (laughs) Uh, Well, well figured out, my friend. Excellent job. All right, question number two. What is the name? This episode taking place in San Diego, so that's the link here. What is the name of the San Diego hockey team, which serves as an affiliate to the Mighty Ducks? Huh, that's interesting. I don't know, so I'm going to give a guess here, and I'm going to say it's the San Diego Grosbeaks. <laughs> oh, that would be quite... Quite the on-the-nose uh, guess there. I mean, you're absolutely correct in thinking that it is a bird-based name, because it <laughs> yes. certainly is. Uh, the Mighty Ducks get a lot of their players from the San Diego Gulls. The Gulls. <laughs> Not the Gulls, but the Gulls. The Gulls. I, I, don't, I don't know if I like that name, but uh, it doesn't fall trippingly off the no, tongue it's, for me. it's a bit of a... And maybe it's a regional thing, but I'll go. Nevertheless. All right. right. Uh, Before we get to our final question, which, of course, is going to promote next week's episode, I do have a prediction this week uh, that I'd like you to slap down. Sometimes we like to do predictions if they flow naturally. Uh, We've got a few predictions uh, in the hopper so far. What are the Hotchners going to name their child? 
how many members of the BAU team are going to have near-death visions. Uh, you know, as those things come up in the future, I'll certainly uh, call back to them. Here's a prediction for you, sir. At the end of this episode, Reed takes those football tickets and asks JJ, presumably, to go to the game with him. Certainly, the, it appears that that's going to be the subject of the conversation that ensues. You like football? I hear you like right, football. Right, right. How many episodes from this point forward, how many different episodes will we hear any mention of the time Reed and JJ went to that football game? <laughs> oh, AJ, I feel like this may be yet another thread that just remains a thread that we never look back at again. And you know what? I feel like we had a zero before, so I'm going to use a little Kentad game theory. Well, this is a prediction. This is not a trivia question. The zero was for a trivia question. So, <laughs> Good point. Good point. I'm going to use a little game theory and anyway and predict that it will come up exactly one more time. All right. One more time. You'll put that as your prediction, and we shall see uh, if... At any course it comes up, we will uh, readdress this. And if not, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, after episode 323, we'll uh, scratch it off. I was going to say, do we have to wait for... Well, I would say, uh, I would say in general, you've, you've <laughs> given me the choice of one. So if it comes up once, we'll mention it and continue to wait. And if it comes up two times, you're wrong. I mean, that is how it works. So, uh, but we'll, this is something we'll be, we, we will be tracking. AJ, I, I do want to point out they they have announced that they are doing a reboot of the show Criminal Minds. I don't know any details about that reboot as of yet, uh, which will be on the Paramount Plus network uh, streaming service. But if they have some of the cast members from the current, if they keep the same sort of, you know, story sure. universe... It's possible that it gets mentioned again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I believe we're keeping all of these predictions into the uh, original <laughs> 323. Okay. Um, Thank you. And locking it in. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, because I will not be rewatching the reboot <laughs> if it ever gets off the ground. I will be watching. <laughs> true. So, that is yeah, true. There you go. All right. Your final question of trivia for this week multiple choice for you as always the third question for any episode that does not end in a cliffhanger and even ones that do end in a cliffhanger i'm sure i'll come up with some sort of what happens next week uh you're gonna get this question based solely on the episode title what is the plot of criminal minds season one episode five entitled broken mirror name of the episode is broken mirror here are your four options. Is it A, a beauty queen is found dead the day after being crowned? Is it B, Halloween provides cover for a home invasion? Is it C, models are being disfigured and L goes undercover as bait? Or is it D, one twin sister is kidnapped, and the other helps the BAU try to find her. <laughs> wow. 
They all sound plausible this week, AJ. Uh, so good job. And may I add, may I add, this episode aired on October 19th. Mm-hmm. So it's close to Halloween. Could be. You know what, AJ? I, 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 hmm. <laughs> Broken mirror. Um, I'm going to say... That this is, uh, I'm going to go for it. This is option two, the Halloween uh, one. What? Repeat that one. It was... Halloween provides cover for a home invasion. Yes. We're going to go for Halloween providing cover for a home invasion. I mean, you know, Halloween time, lots of symbols of bad luck like black cats and you know broken mirrors certainly could play into that don't be silly uh, sir that is not correct i have gotten you again ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no broken mirror is our next episode where we will encounter twin sisters one of whom gets kidnapped and one who helps the bau to try and track her sister down. Oh boy, that's gonna be fun. I I almost said that one, but I went for the the Halloween fake out. Good job. Uh, thank you for steering clear of all the miscongeniality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you first said it, I thought it was I was thinking of the movie Broken Arrow for no particular reason and was going to try to make a Christian Slater reference, but then I realized Broken Arrow and Broken Mirror are two different phrases i I don't think we're gonna have any uh renegade missiles in this one uh folks guess what What? that's the show for the week we are done thank you so much everyone for joining us uh we hope you had a great time and if you have please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform sure to spread the word let your friends know about us uh you can also write to us at our email address feloniouspundits at gmail.com uh for aj mass this is kentad's fins saying goodbye keep profiling wheels up chess like love like music has the power to make men happy siegbert to rush. <laughs>